show is sponsored by Hive Mind CRM. It is more than just a CRM. It is a real estate and business mastermind that comes with an all-in-one CRM. You can have unlimited websites and users. You can call, text, RVM, and email all-in-one user interface. And you can set up custom automations for any type and multiple businesses. 65% of companies start using a CRM system within the first five years of business. Once implemented, the HiveMind will save you on marketing, give you more time, and make more money. One of our users has had his first $100,000 month using our system in June. We want to see you automate and accelerate your business. Text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings. And of course, to get our $1 course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal. You can schedule your free demo today at hivemindcrm.io. Welcome, everybody, to the Hive Mind Hive with Us podcast. Uh, we are here today with Stephen Kiger. I hope I pronounced that correctly, of uh, Homebuyer, Louisiana. And uh, today we're going to learn uh, why he left Australia, came to the U.S., uh, what's working here, what's working still at home, and let's have at it. I'd like to introduce my co-host, Daniel Martinez, and founder of the Hive with Us podcast, and of course, Aussie Steve. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on the show. It's an honor. So, um, one of the first things I always ask is like, <laughs> how'd you end up in real estate in Louisiana? I mean, if it's a short story. So, so I mean, I started real estate. Um, I'm, I'm really helpful by Robert Kiyosaki, like most people are. So, you know, I started business straight out of university, always with the intention to buy assets and real estate so i sort of started with that mindset took me a little while started the business first then buying a few properties in australia um and you know i ended up leaving my business was able to sell a bunch of shares you know and, and take a year off with my plan and you know we love america and new orleans is our favorite city so we headed to new orleans for six months just to you know have some fun and that's part of robert kisaki's book retire young retire rich he took a year off when he exited so that's why we came here and i i, I love property you know, we fell in love with New Orleans as an area and culture and everything. And, you know, my wife wanted to stay and I started looking at the market and, you know, realizing I wanted to do more in real estate. I just realized the market was much better. Um, you know, I had some really good sales and marketing skills from my past company. And I learned, you know, that I could acquire deals at really good prices, at cash flow. And and so that's I went all in on property here in, in New Orleans. Say it one more time. In New Orleans. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that was like a city I've never heard of. Or... He's he, he pulling out the accent. It's funny because I, I definitely sound Australian. I stand out here, you know, like people call me Aussie Steve. There's not a lot of Australians that live here. So, you know, I definitely stand out as an Australian. But I think when I speak to Australians, they're like, what is this dude talking about? Because I, I still have the Aussie accent, but I, I, I say a whole bunch of different words and different inflections. So, I don't know. I guess I'm a bit of a gumbo now. Yeah, that fits Narlands in general, though. It's it's a melting pot from all over the world. 
Exactly. So how long have you been in uh, New Orleans now? So it's been four years. So yeah, we came four years ago, um, you know, and it's funny, funny story in that I had, uh, I was staying in the Airbnb, which we had for six months. And when we decided to stay, we got a lease on it for a period. And then I started doing the wholesaling and, and buying properties. And the owner reached out to me at the end of my lease and was like, you know, a lease is expiring. He lived in Chicago. He's like, I don't think we can really manage the property. Do you guys may, maybe want to buy it? And I'm like, oh my God, I got an out of state, you know, tired landlord and I'm living in his house. If I, if I can't do a deal on this, I don't know what I'm doing in real estate. So I actually got a lease option on that house. Um, and I, I closed on it this year, actually. So I had, I had a lease for two years, 75% of my rent counted as equity over that period. Um, the house fully appreciated. Like I had locked in the price from two years ago and I, that Airbnb I now own and I, I use it as an Airbnb for new people. Nice. Nice. That's a, uh... It's an interesting path we take as investors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Once you start learning this stuff, you start seeing the opportunities everywhere, right? We are probably a couple of years ago that would just pass me right by. I wouldn't have even thought twice. Yeah, I, I talked to, it's a funny story because I was talking to my friend from Atlanta and he's renting right now too. And he had a tired landlord thing and he started learning about real estate. So now his whole mind's working with like, hey, can I get a, can I get owner finance on this property? And he's all... Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Right. It was, well, the funny thing is, right, so like I own a bunch of properties and I, and I started buying, you know, back in, I don't know, maybe eight or so years ago in Australia, but I, I never owned a property. I, the first property I bought is this house now, which I bought this year. Um, and because we always rented where we lived and invested in other places. And it was just because where we're from in Sydney, Australia, super expensive. And where we lived was one of the better areas and the rent relative to the price, like the yield, you know, was ridiculous. Like, so it made more sense to rent because the rent is low relative to the price than we'd buy investment properties, you know, where it made more sense. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a renter as an investor. And I did that a, ve I did that a very long time and acquired a lot of properties before I purchased a place to actually live in and call home. Now, um, are you a citizen of the US or you still have citizenship in Australia? Uh, I'm still a citizen of Australia. I am a, I'm a, I'm a resident alien is my technical term. So, you know, okay. cue the X-Files music. Um, but I, well, I, have a, I, have a, <laughs> I have a business investment visa. So basically, if you start a business over here and invest money and hire people, then the borders open up. It's funny. Um, and that, that's the visa I have. So it gives me all the rights, pretty much all the rights of a citizen, uh, but I'm not a citizen uh i think i think we're gonna do that i'm starting to turn um you know i haven't been happy with australia over covid they've become just way more authoritarian lockdowns and yeah. i think i want to get my citizenship here as as a backup okay that's interesting man um I, we've had we've had a few um out of out of country investors that invested from out of the country yes and are visiting here like who are here as well as aliens as well so it's kind of interesting to see the dynamic um of what people are doing because we i think we interviewed uh alicia jarrett i think she lives in australia and she invests out here heavily and she lives in australia so it's one of those things where like people there's no wrong answer it's just interesting to see the the dynamic but i'm really glad you mentioned it that anybody if you start a business the doors open up i think that's i think it's a, a huge nugget right there that i really want to touch on right there 
And if you're looking to come to the U.S., start a business. Do you have Absolutely. to hire? Do you have to hire U.S.-based employees, or do you? You, have you do, you do, and they like they like really. The, the, the criteria is pretty loose. It's you need to make a um, significant investment. Like that's the definition. Significant. There's no number to that. Um, and but they do like for you to and the significant. Speaking to my lawyers, it just basically means you need to capitalize the business. They, the, the government wants to make sure you're not going to come over and be a drain on the economy. They want you to contribute to the economy. So you need to have a plan that shows you're going to have a business, and you know you have to have capital to back up that plan, which could be small or large depending on your plan. Uh, and they do like for you to have five full-time employees within the first five years. So you need to show a plan for that. Um, but it's just it's just a plan and you know, things can change as you go along. No, that's, five, five full-time employees is not that bad. I mean, that's not yeah. that bad at all. And if you're hiring, if you do what we do, you probably have like salespeople that are commission-based and that's it. Yeah, we'll see. I've got, I've got a local salesperson, which is good. I did it obviously because of my visa, and but it's it's a big, it's a big advantage because I mean a lot of the salespeople are foreign, and that works economically. But uh, it is a real advantage for me. I got a local New Orleans person, and you know she she just really vibes with you know sellers, and it really works. So I know the local you, accent yeah. helps as well. <laughs> accent and knowledge, absolutely. Yeah. She helped me figure out the names of the streets, although it's just inside <laughs> secret. No one in New Orleans knows the name of the street. It, they all say it differently. It's, 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 if you say it confidently, you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, you've been in New Orleans for a while. What's uh, New Orleans? Or, uh, I, I know Louisiana is like one of the lower price markets. Is New Orleans like the outlier in all of Louisiana because it's a main major city? Or is it like, is it like, you can still, I know like Birmingham, you can still buy, you can still find a house for like 30K. Is it like that? <laughs> yeah, the, I wish the 30Ks were here. You're not, you're not getting that here, you know, um, depending on the area, you know, median price might be 300, 200. You can definitely buy houses though for 60K, 50K that need work, you know, and the ARV might be like 150K, 175K. So, you know, you can definitely get them at good prices. Um, it's a tricky market, which also makes it a, like it, it's it's uh, a hard market to operate in because it varies a lot. Like you want to see across the street and you're in a different neighborhood. It doesn't have those nice subdivisions you probably find in Florida, you know, and Arizona. And, you know, so uh, it makes it really hard to get your head around. Um, but that also means you, we don't see the eye buyers, the hedge funds, like those people aren't in our market. So I think it creates more opportunity for people that know to get those good deals. Um, but then it doesn't have that whole that you'll get from those hedge fund buyers coming in. Um, but by the same token, I think if we start going down, it's not going to have that same, you know, the, if it goes up, it can go down like that. Whereas it's a pretty steady, you know, decent market. So I'm assuming everything there, sorry, Daniel, uh, I was just going to say, I'm assuming everything there's a flood zone in New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, we have, a thing called, we have a thing called Flood Zone X, which is like a preferred flood zone. And, you know, historically that was cheap um, flood insurance, but they just did the whole FEMA 2.0, which I think is international, right? That was, uh, sorry, it's national. Um, that was a whole re-rating the flood system and we got hammered. So Flood Zone X were like, used to be four or $500 a year. They, they can go up to a couple grand. It is actually a big factor right now in our market. And I think it will hurt. It was interest rates going up. The insurance has gone up for the flood. And also for the wind and hail, given the hurricanes we're having. So insurance is a big deal here uh, and it is impacting our market. 
Um, but if, if it is a flood zone X, you don't have to have insurance. So it might have gone up, but it's still your option. But if it's in a different flood zone, you have to have insurance and those rates can be pretty high right now. So um, one thing I know about New Orleans, have you come across like historic homes? Because I know New Orleans is an old city as far as it's been around for a long time. So you probably come across like these hundred plus year old homes. Hell yeah. That have yeah. like have like certain requirements with the city. Yeah, I mean, there's historic districts. So, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of old homes. So the house I mentioned, the Airbnb, is 160 years old. You know, it was fully renovated like six years ago, but it, it's it's old, right? But the one thing is, because um, of Hurricane Katrina, you know, obviously it was a very devastating um, hurricane and flood here. A lot of the housing stock at least got repaired. So even their old homes, you know, you generally, if they flooded in Katrina, which most of them did, you know, they got new plumbing, new electric, new roof. So it, it actually... As devastating as it was, it sort of it sort of upgraded the housing stock. Because um, I know in Ohio and other markets, people literally look at houses that haven't been renovated in 100 years. You know what I mean? Like the 100-year-old pipe. So we don't really get that as much. Um, but there is historic districts. So if you're around a French Quarter, yeah, that can be annoying. You, you know, you need to, you know, adhere by those codes. And it's, you know, it's going to spend a bit more time with the city and planning and all that sort of stuff. I imagine you spend more time searching for black mold and such like that that wasn't treated properly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. And you might get some Chinese drywall that was put in that time, but it's, it's, it's not that much of it now. Me personally, like I, I, so I'll, I do a lot of burr, I like rentals, I wholesale, so I don't do a lot of flips. So those real, if they, if it needs a big rehab, I'm just going to wholesale that because that's not really my skill set. If it needs a small rehab, you know, I really, I don't really want to pull permits. So if it's like something, something can get away with not pulling permits, you know, floors, kitchen, bathroom, maybe a roof, but like, I'll, I'll keep that. If it needs a full rehab, it's gutted. I'm just going to wholesale it and keep moving. That's, uh, that's interesting. No, I, I think, I think it's important staying in your wheelhouse and not, not venturing too far out because it's just not your comfort zone. So yes. are, are, are you keeping stuff for, Rental majority? Or are you doing Airbnb and rental or majority Airbnb? Just really rentals, to be honest. I got the one Airbnb, and that's because I bought it. It was an Airbnb. It just had the license. So, so like, I did it just because it's really the property, you know, was was should have been that. Um, but I'm doing long-term rentals. I really like the burn method. You know, for me, the 30-year fixed debt is awesome. You know, I think being an Australian, I appreciate that because you guys might not even know. I, just, I find Americans take it for granted. You guys have 30 year fixed interest. It is the only country in the world that has 30 year fixed interest rates. You know, but that's what are you getting yeah. in Australia? You get five years max, five years max, and then, then it goes to an arm. Yeah. So interest rates really hurt Australia because when the, when the, when the, when the, our reserve bank, which I just did actually yesterday, they put the interest rate up, everyone gets affected because, you know, all the, all the, they're going to get affected really soon. So it has a real impact on the economy. You know, whereas in America, everyone has these fixed 30 year debt, which is amazing. You know, in an inflationary environment, you know, I was really busy the last couple of years just buying them, putting debt on them. And I'm like, yeah, like let the inflation inflate away that debt. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so um, I that, that that's sort of my wheelhouse. I like those long term rentals, just something where it's going to cash flow a little, at least the tenants paying down that debt, you know, and I'm just going to sit on it. My plan is sitting for 30 years. I, I don't really intend to sell it. You know, I'll never say never, but I mean, I'm just going to let them run and, and 
keep that keep that low interest rate, let that inflation keep, you know, increasing the rent and the value and, you know, that that no payment is going to be fixed for 30 years. There are DSCR loans that are also fixed rate uh, that you can use uh, that work well with the short term rentals. I know a lot of uh, lenders who only specialize in people who are doing short term rentals and they do the DSCR loans for those. and yeah. it does provide, you know, in a city like New Orleans, but then you, you mentioned the, the license, you know, what's, what's the extra costs added, uh, you know, like by the city of New Orleans, New Orleans for that. It's really restrictive here. So they have a lot of, so, so you can't do, you can't do, um, like French quarter, you can't do, um, Airbnbs in the garden district where I live, you can't do Airbnbs. They, they really limit it to, um, there's a lot of pushback from the locals. They don't like it because it you know, takes away their housing stock and, you really have to live in a house and you can get a homestead exemption. So if you're in a double and you live in one side, you can do it, but it's hard to build a portfolio. There, there was an exception, which is the house I bought. I bought it because it was commercially zoned. If it's commercially zoned, you can do an Airbnb on 25% of the property, you know, or one, you know, mine's a threeplex, so I can, I can do an Airbnb on one of them. So, but, and I, I just got my license in. They changed the laws now. I'm grandfathered, so I'm cool, but they changed the laws so you can still do it. But the catch is that because it's commercial, you actually, you're no longer on the residential building code, you're on a commercial building code. So it means you need to have um, like ADA, you know, disabled, it's got to, it's got to have fire, you know, fire, fire yeah, like for Ouch. real. Mine is a big driveway where you drive in, but like it would have looked at it and said, no, this is it's a commercial car park. You can't have one entrance. You need to like view my driveway before spots as a commercial car park, which would never pass. So I, the house I have would never be an Airbnb if you didn't have the license now. So it's it's not great. I mean, it's good for me because, I mean, that, that one's going to do well. Um, but it, it's hard to build a big portfolio of Airbnbs here. That's Definitely sounds yeah. tough. The, the, with all the Airbnb regulations, it's like, man, they make, they make, it, they make it difficult. To, like, even with the commercial thing, like the make it, making your property go commercial can totally ruin it being airbnb so if you bought it just for an airbnb you're, you're screwed yeah and i mean and that's their intention i mean they're, they're they're saying hey you can still do it but like the intention of bringing those laws in place was really for people because it, it's very unlikely a viable project it's essentially killing all those potential airbnbs yeah some cities and states are just you know okay let's do some business and others you know they'll just do all they can to shut it down and uh which is funny because, I mean, New Orleans uh, is very much a tourist uh, location. So you'd think they'd be allowing stuff like that. Uh, but then but the hotel and motel industry might be exactly. putting a lot of pressure to not allow it. So it's, it's exactly right. And then, and then the individuals, you know, they you know don't want the neighborhoods changing. Someone said this to me, which I think was actually a really good idea. They're like, because you know, some people are like, just don't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have these Airbnbs in my area. It's a neighborhood. Okay, that's fine. If you think that though, you shouldn't you shouldn't go and stay in an Airbnb in someone else's neighborhood, right? But, but these people are like, yeah, don't do it in my backyard, but I'm going to go stay in your area in Airbnb. Yep, definitely fun stuff. We've got them here, you know, pretty strong in Florida, and uh, you know, depending on where you go, you know, around Disney World uh, and uh, its general metroplex, there are a lot of subdivisions uh, and resort uh, communities that are strictly short-term rental. You cannot yeah. live there long-term. Uh, 179 days is the maximum someone's long-term stay. 
uh, in some of them. So, and they'll, they'll do higher end amenities. You end up paying a lot more. Uh, we were just looking at one, uh, recently and it was 700 some odd dollars a month HOA fee you know, yep. for pool and, you know, some, some other nice stuff, but that's on top of, you know, a, a nearly $2,000 a month, uh, you know, note, uh, and then management fees and stuff like that, because obviously, you know, unless you live right there in that city, uh, and do it all yourself. So it's, uh, it, it can get a little restrictive, but, yeah. um, yeah, that's, yeah, the, it, it's a high risk, you know, as my partner says, I've, uh, I've got a business partner and this is our entire focus, mm-hmm. uh, is Airbnb and short-term rentals and it's high risk, but very high reward. Yeah. So I mean, the one know I'm what like, you're getting into, which you've obviously done your research as well. Well, the one, the one I've got doing really well, again, I wasn't really that interested in doing it, but like it's doing really well. So like I'm going, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you could do some more, but again, the laws are sort of a little bit restrictive. So I'll probably stick with the long terms at this point. So now the company in Australia, I saw you took a company public. Do you still mm-hmm. own that? Or are you still on the board or just, you know, did buy, you know, got bought out, old stock, move on? I have some so, shares. Yeah. yeah, I have some shares. So, so obviously I, so the, the company was high pages, high pages group. It's really pretty much like a home advisor or Angie list here in America, you know, connecting contractors with um, homeowners. Um, so yeah, look, I was a partner in that business, grew it over, 14 or so years, I sold some of my shares, which is and I left operationally. So I haven't been like anything operational in the company for about four years. Um, but I do still have shares. Um, man, they dropped, man. I'm so, I'm so lucky, actually. My wife, my, I told you I bought my first home, right? My wife was like, we've got to buy a home now. I'm ready. I'm like, okay, she, she's been good and let me not buy a home for a long time, you know, and just invest. So uh, we bought this house. And I sold my shares. When I sold my, I sold a bunch of shares to, to help purchase it. And when I sold them, they're three dollars sixty a share. They're like a, they're like a dollar twenty now. And I, I did not see that Good coming. Timing. <laughs> and I did like yeah, it's great timing. All, all, all ass, no class. Man, I, I did not see that coming. Uh, and I think my wife, she made me do it. And I'm like, man, that was actually a really good conversion because the stock market's taking a hit. Tech companies are taking a hit. Um, they didn't like our last report. You know, and it got hammered. But I still, I still, I still own a bunch of shares in it, uh, and I wouldn't sell them now because, the, like, I'd be a buyer now. The price it is, man, like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to sell shares at that price. I, I don't need to buy more because I have enough. But it's, it's, it's a, yeah, I'm definitely not selling them now. <laughs> so, um, I, I really want to touch on you being uh, about Florida. I mean, not in Florida, but um, Australia not being like investor friendly at all. Do you still work with like people from Australia to invest money here in uh, in the United States because it's not so friendly? I've thought about. It. I actually have some friends who suggested like I do that, um, but I don't, I just don't want it because <laughs> um, like I, I like um, I'm a little bit more lifestyle balanced now. I don't really want to take you know like yeah, I'm, I'm sort of happy just to do my own thing and you know. Um, but in, in it's, it's it's not that they're not investor friendly. It's just it's just like. Uh, I'm probably it's going to be controversial. The Australians are stupid when it comes to property investing, and and that's the problem, right? Um, and it's just real because we have this law. It's called negative gearing, but basically what that law is is if you lose money in your investment property, you can offset that loss against your W two income, right? So 
what happens is all the accountants say to the lawyers, doctors, you know, high earning people, they're like, hey, you're paying too much tax. You, you should buy investment property and negative gear, which they do. So they buy the property. It loses money every month. But but they're like, hey, look at all these tax I'm saving. And our tax rate gets to 50 cents in a dollar. And it's like, dude, you're spending a dollar and you're getting 50 cents back. Like, dude, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you 60 cents, man. Give me, give me your dollars. But uh, that, that's so that's really hard to compete against that. And because most Australians, they bank on the capital gain. And the truth is, there's been lots of capital gain. It is a really highly appreciating market. And you, you do, you know, the capital gain tends to play out, but you're losing money every month. Like, what's the point? So that that's the backdrop of investing. And that's why it just makes it really hard to, you know, I have six rentals, single family rentals in Australia. Uh, they pretty much break even. They've grown, they've appreciated massively. But they pretty much break even, and that that's that's a really good investment in Australia. Like I did really well to have these break even properties, um, but that's why when I look in, I look around America. I'm like, damn, what are we doing? Like I'm, I love my property. I, I like the diversification. I understand I'm not why you move now? <laughs> yeah, I'm not exactly, exactly, and I'm not going to sell my properties. I like the diversification, but I would never buy another property in Australia. Just America's way better. No, I think I think it's funny because you mentioned the like negative cash flows. I'm like, I would never do that. They're morons. <laughs> and like now you're like totally different market, totally doing different things. And it's like uh you're 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 uh you're uh it's like you're an old school burr person because of Australia's hard uh, trained you not to do it. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe. <laughs> you've you've been uh you've been put through the system and now you're you're set in your ways. <laughs> Yeah, well, but here, but here, I mean, here, like, to be, it's, it's easy to get a profit, you know. And I mean, when, when I bought my property in Australia, I bought not where I lived, right? I really geeked out, did a lot of research, you know. I started with I had to break even at least, you know. Um, and I picked really good areas. And in, in in I'm buying in New Orleans now mainly, you know, Greater New Orleans. And look, if I did the same things in Australia, I probably wouldn't pick New Orleans. Like, I think New Orleans is like happens to be the best market in America. But I, what I do like about it here is like off-market properties. And because I'm buying really well, I'm doing my own marketing, you know, motivated sellers, like I'm buying, when you buy under market, you, you can't go wrong, right? It doesn't, matter, it doesn't really matter what the market is as long as it's not, as long as it's a half-decent market. If you're buying more below market, you, I mean, you're always going to win. So let's talk about marketing. What type of marketing is working for you in New Orleans? Because it's a smaller market in general. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of online and mainly because that's my background, um, you know, being from a tech company. So, you know, I've done a lot of mailers, SMS. SMS used to be my best lead source. I, I built the business firstly on SMS, but I started to transition out to seeing the laws changing. And then I went back to my roots, which is like SEO and SEM, search engine marketing, optimization. Um, so I do a lot of that. It, I, I, just, I just I grew up in that. Like I, I know that by the back of my hand. And also on, on the back of that too, I do a lot of branding. So, you know, like when people visit my, I send people to my website. Even if I do a direct mail, I'll send them to my website. If you go to my website, you're going to see videos. You're going to see me at closings. You're going to see me in houses. You're going to read content. And that way, when we speak to the sellers, there's already trust. And it's a real, you know, so, so I mean, I don't need to get as many leads as other people because my conversions are generally much higher, you know, if I'm in a ballpark of other people, they're going to pick me, you know, and, and that that's so really I'd, I'd say my marketing, it's branding with a real digital online presence.
Uh, yeah, I was looking through a lot of your social media and I see a lot of your closings and stuff and a, a, a lot of happy people there. Uh, yeah. you know, that, that, that says a lot. Uh, you know, when I think that's that really important. People. Yeah, I think it's really important. And, and, and just like to your listeners, I want to say this because I think a lot of people do this wrong. And, and it's because like you learn from gurus, right? And I did too. I did a lot of different peoples and you, you learn from these people who you base your business on. And then you look at the marketing they do, but then they're marketing to you. You know what I mean? They're marketing to, because they're building, you know, a business on coaching as well. So they're posting checks and they're posting money and dollars. And that has a place. Don't get me wrong. Like, like that's some, but for me, I really conscious was I'm a consumer brand. Like I'm a seller brand, you know? So, so all of my posts, all my marketing, it's about the sellers. It's about solving problems. It's, I'm thinking about them. You'll never see a check. Right, because like the seller doesn't want to see a check. They want they want they want to see a closing, a smiling face, a problem solved. You know, they want to see the houses. You know, people often comment. They see my videos. They see me in the houses, and they're like, they'll relate to that. They'll relate to, oh yeah, my house is messy, but I, I, I see you do worse. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm really conscious on, and my background's marketing, so I get this stuff. So like, my, I'm really conscious on that marketing aspect, and I think a lot of people miss that. I'm really glad you touched on branding in general, just because um, I can tell you do it too. And it's very powerful in its own way. Cause uh, Frank was like, Oh, who, who are we interviewing? I'm like, it's Steve from L uh, Steve from Louisiana. He Steve from Louisiana. And it comes up the Aussie, the Australian investor from Louisiana. And it comes up like that. So yeah. being, getting, getting branding online is so, so powerful. So, so powerful. And I, I try and tell people how powerful it is. And it's one of those things where <laughs> it's one of those things where uh, it's uh, you can't really put a price on it, but when it's done right, it is such a huge benefit. It's, the, it's that conversion rate, and it helps your time because like a lead is more valuable because they're more likely to choose you. You know what I mean? Like, and you do this marketing, you might do mail, and they're going to Google you or they're going to look at your website, and if you don't have a presence, to be honest, they're probably going to call me. And that happens. Like people will still, they get, they might get prompted by someone else's marketing, but then end up trying to find out who's legitimate buyer. And then those paths are all going to point to me, if you know what I mean. So, um, what's, and I, you mentioned a couple of different ways to kind of build up your branding. Do you, do you see these podcasts as reaching potential sellers as branding wise too, or it's just getting more SEO? It's really SEO, right? So, so, so you, you you get how my mind ticks, right? Like SEO, the more links you get to your to your site, the more important you are. You know, I I, I have a slight theory that being on a podcast, Google might see that as authority. I don't know that's as a fact, um, but I, I yeah, I spent a lot of time doing Google SEO. In my old company, we had heads of SEO, we had content writers, like. You know, I wasn't the expert, but I've, I, man, I've been around as experts. I've been managers to them. So I, I've formed this view that I think if, I don't think of the Google algorithm. People get stuck in the algorithm. You do this, you do that. Like, forget the algorithm. The algorithms change all the time. I've, I've made that mistake. Changes to the algorithm. I've learned it. And it, the algorithm will change, right? But if you think about Google as like a human, as someone that wants the right, to show the right people, that's how I think of Google. So be the right person, <laughs> do the right things, you know, and I know they like authority. They like links. I, I guess if I guess being on podcast, that would be a signal of authority. 
whether there's whether they're doing that now or not, I don't know. But I'm I'm doing the podcast because I'm getting the links. I'm building the authority. Worst case, you Google me, you'll see a whole bunch of podcasts. You'll, you'll see I'm a legit person in business. Definitely, right? And you see a lot of family. Yes. So, and that and that is you know in this day and age, I think is another uh, key point. Uh, you know, if you're solving problems and you're family focused, and I think that makes a world of difference as opposed to a strong corporate showing where it's cold and impersonal. Exactly. So, and you and you will see, you will see my marketing like my, my videos, they're super, super like there's no production. Like zero production. And I think I've done two takes maybe once in my life, right? And, and there's there's a couple reasons for that. Like obviously I think it's more authentic, you know, it's just real. It's not flashy, you know. Um and then secondly it makes it easy to do. So I can just do heaps of it. <laughs> you know, if I made it real fancy, I probably wouldn't have any videos. But I'm just, it's, it's real. I'll literally walk in the house, pull out the video. I'll talk. The first thing that comes to my head, I'll talk about the situation. I'll arm and ah, post it. You know, um, if, I, if I'm at a closing uh, and with the sellers, I'm just like, I literally go, can you do a video? Boom, what was it like? And I don't give them any warning. I'm just like, I'm filming them on the spot. And they just say whatever they say, you know. And... And um, I think that just shows authenticity. You don't want to be too slick. You want to be marketing, but you don't want to be too slick that you feel heartless and you know just, just corporate, as you said. So um, with your with your PPC working for you now, I, th I think it's working great. I mean, I, I could tell. I, I do the podcast for SEO largely. I do it to get back there. I, I use it. I use it largely for SEO. And it's one of those things where like. I'm gonna put your the power of your name is so powerful. Like your name is is so powerful when you, you leverage it. And I even like right now, like when you came in as Aussie Steve, it was one of those things where like you're trying to brand yourself as Aussie Steve, and it's it's really cool and it comes across. And I, I love it, man. It's cool. The Aussie Steve works right, and it works in New Orleans because because I stand out, and it's like it's you know who it is. Someone says you know Steve, like Aussie Steve. It's like you 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 know who you're talking about, so it makes it easy to remember, etc. Definitely. So now, what's what's on your future plans? Uh, what what's uh, you know what's the next uh, five years or ten years look like? Yeah. So, so really, bird properties. I'm just trying to build the rental portfolio, the you know the long term wealth. Um, so you know, I'm at a stage you know now where I'm not trying to build a big business. I, I, I've done that, and I don't want to do that again. Um, I you know I, I'm luckily I have some capital from that business. So I am really just trying to keep you on the portfolio. I enjoy what I do. I love solving the problems. I love the real estate. It's fun, you know, so I'm really trying to keep it fun, keep going, just keep adding properties to my um, portfolio. I'll keep wholesaling because for me, the wholesaling means you monetize the leads, which means I can afford to spend money on marketing. Um, hey, Daniel. <laughs> so I can spend money on marketing and, but, but really, the wholesaling is just to keep the operation going and keep cash flowing. The real business is those rentals, those burrs. And being the wholesaler, I get to pick the easy ones. You know, I, I wouldn't even say it's the best deals because all my deals are good. I make sure like I, I send good deals to my buyers, but they're going to work for that good deal, right? Because it's prob it's going to need more work. You know, if, if it's like doesn't need much work, I'm going to keep that. You know, so, so, uh, and that's hard, it's hard to get those deals that don't need much work, but it's still a good price. You really need to find those yourself. 
So um, let's talk about work-life balance because I, I think I, I really love that about you. As you, you kind of mentioned, that's kind of your focus now, and you really don't want to do any other things because you kind of toned in on that. What's that look like on your day-to-day -day right now as far as work-life balance? Well, you know, uh, look, my, my view on work-life balance is that fundamentally that balance is out of balance, right? You sort of go this way, that way, that way. Balance is the middle, and, and it takes times of you really putting your head down. And so I've been really unbalanced at times. You know, when in my early in my career, man, I worked my ass off. Dude, I, you know, I, I was at first thing in the work, planning the day for my team. I'm there at the end of the day. Like, I, man, I, I burnt the candle at both ends. I worked really hard, and, and that was hard. It was hard on my family. My family was really supportive. So now for me, I'm like, now my balance is trying to, to be more relaxed now. So, you know, I, I still I go to the office every day, you know, um, but I'm like, if, if my kids have an appointment, if I need to do this, I'll do it. I'll just, you know, whereas back in the day, I wouldn't do it. I would schedule it. I'm rarely home late. You know, I might go to a few meetups because, I mean, that's that's important. But I'm, I'm rarely home late. Uh, you know, I definitely have a higher emphasis on just giving time to my family um, as opposed to back in the day, work came first. Um, it's an experience. It's an experience. <laughs> you you exactly. kind of get wiser as you get older. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, look, I, I, just generally too, like I, I put a lot of emphasis on, I, I think I'm really driven by freedom. Like, you know, I, I was always driven by like not having to listen to a boss, not having to like be reliant on the government. So, you know, and that, and that meant financial to me. So I was always very financially oriented and I've always focused on financial. I just, dude, I, I read all the time and I haven't read a novel for God man, 20 years. It's all, it's all business money, this, that, you know. Um, but I started to change the last couple of years and realize like that's just one form of wealth. You know, you know, there's other forms of wealth and it's like happiness. It's also just for me, you know, being more resilient in general. Like, you know, I had real good skills at sales, marketing, business money, but like, I didn't have a lot of skills about how to fix things, be, you know, if, if we'll cut off from the world, if, you know, there's COVID, you know, shutdowns, like being able to like feed myself, you know, so I'm, I'm just trying to be a little bit more like wealth isn't just money. Freedom isn't just financial freedom. It's actually just being independent, not relying on the shops, being open all the time, you know, so, so that, that, that's just come with time for me. Um, but, you know, I'm lucky because I, I had success in my business. So, like, it helped ease the financial pressure because that's sort of, you, you, if, if you don't have the money, it's hard to do a lot of things. So, but once you get a bit of money, then you can relax and start to, but I think some people mistake, they just keep going money, right? They keep money, business, you know, like, and I, I sort of went, yeah, no, um, I'm cool. Like, I need enough. I need to be happy, but I don't, I don't need to be Elon Musk, man. There you go. There you go. Uh, what is a quote that is yours or somebody else's that you resonate with? Um, so I would say one of my business partners uh, used to say this quote all the time. And it's actually from IBM. He got it from. He worked at IBM. He was a real smart tech guy. And he said, everything you need, need to do needs to be repeatable, measurable, and optimizable. And, and that, that was a real philosophy we built our business on. So just don't do anything if you can't repeat it. If it's not a repeatable process, if you can't measure it, you don't know how it's going and you want to optimize that constantly. So I think that's probably the most influential quote that I've carried through through my career. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one, man, because people get lost in the weeds just by focusing on stuff they can't they can't control or they can't even measure. And it's just like 
got to focus on what's important and what what can, what's worth the, what's worth your time in the long run. Absolutely. Most definitely. Uh, I love the quote uh, myself. So, uh, you know, you, you touched on uh, not having time to read novels, what, you know, and always reading business books, you know, what's the one book by default, no matter what uh, you're going to recommend to anybody trying to get into this, like what's your key favorite book and then what's the book you're reading right now? I, um, I, I am going to say retire young, retire rich by Robert Kiyosaki and I'm purposely not saying reach that board out because I know most people say that and, and I started there. So, so if you haven't read Robert Kiyosaki, you should start reach that board out. But mm -hmm. I say retire around retire rich because like I've honestly read every single one of his books and uh, he, Robert Kiyosaki has been so influential on me. I know a lot of people, but don't just read the first two. Keep going. Retire young, retire rich was about him taking a year off when he exited his first business. That's what moved me here to New Orleans. You know what I mean? So, so it's pretty much, I'm really saying the whole Robert Kiyosaki series, but for those of you who are listening, who've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Catholic Quadrant, which are probably a lot of you, but just that, read the other ones, man. They're, they're the best. Definitely. And he jumps into some interesting topics too. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, there, there, there's a little bit of a tangent in them, but he also understands things on a completely different level than a lot of people. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I consider him my mentor. Something to learn from. Yeah, yeah, I consider him my mentor. Of like, even though he hasn't mentored me personally, man, I've listened podcasts, books. Like his his thoughts run through me, and and I've let the, I've let them influence me. Uh, in terms of book I'm reading now, a, a different one actually. It's uh, the Celestine Prophecy, right? So, um, someone sent you read it, yeah. Frank. Yes, that someone and the audio version. Someone sent it to me, right? So I sort of connected him with someone and it was like, it was just like really serendipitous how I met this guy who was really cool. I'm like, hey, you got to meet this other guy. And I connected him and like, he's like, man, that's like the exact person I need to meet. And they like, and, and I'm like, and I said to him, oh, like I sort of believe in that stuff, the universe. And he went, this book, you know, and you got to read this book. And a couple of days later, it turned up in my house. He sent it to me. So I started reading it and, you know, I'm really, I'm really enjoying that. Um, and again, I, I do read a little bit more spiritual and just different it's not it's i'm still not reading novels but it, i'm trying to not just read business and, and finance what's funny is i have uh, i listen to a lot of audiobooks on audible and i've currently got three novels on there that i've purchased and i've listened to a total of five minutes of one of them yeah i've got a lot of you know the, the spiritual books uh, the business books you know the educational focused you know, someone's talking in a group, oh my God, this book is just, you know, listening to this, you know, if I hadn't already had it, I'd be jumping on, uh, you know, those books you were talking about, uh, you know, and so it's, the, the list just continues to grow and grow and grow. So yes. uh, I can definitely relate. Um, if you haven't, you know, one of my favorites is Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harvecker. Um, totally changed my mindset and my, my entire thought process. So. I haven't done that one yet. I have heard it. It's definitely they did. There's there's probably a good forty books that like I know I should read that are classics that I haven't got to yet. I've read a lot, but I, there's, there's just and that, that's in that that's in that class. I would say mm -hmm. definitely a great one, Daniel. So, um, where can people get a hold of you? I'm gonna plug. I'm gonna plug. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do an SEO bonus on this one. <laughs> uh, Home buyers, Louisiana. Is that can people send you deals there as well too? Like other wholesalers um my, my contact details are there so so they, they can you know and look, obviously i buy in new orleans if, if you've got deals in great new orleans i'm definitely a cash buyer 
Um, so, so reach out to me, homebuylouisiana.com is probably the best place. You can get me on LinkedIn. Um, you can get me on Facebook now too. Uh, for a long time, I was just, for a long time, I kept Facebook as personal, but it's just, it's just become real estate now. So, so, so you get me on Facebook as well. Um, there you go. So, um, I, I'm like thinking of like an SEO title to really rank you. For yes, local you go. I, I, I got you. I got, I got, all right, all right. I appreciate it. Make sure it's really, really good for you. Because like this, if, if you provide value, so I'm gonna provide value in my own way, and it's my that's the SEO, that's my name in it. So I I, I really got a good title for you, and I'll, I'll let you know whenever. You All get right, it. I love I love it. We should keep in contact. We should if you want to geek out on some SEO, I can I, I can go there. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll I'll definitely straight. reach out yeah. to you on that topic. <laughs> no, I, I I I think it's such a good topic, and you have an experience with it. Maybe we'll have you on again talking about SEO specifically because I think it's such a like, it's like a misunderstood topic that like no one like really really grasps what it is and it's simple things like podcasting that helps with your seo and just building brand awareness and i made a post today um we had like five thousand visitors from google organically like you didn't pay, you didn't pay for that i didn't pay for that it's just being be, being branded aware uh just branding yourself 100 percent using seo using your name using your brand and leveraging on that and you get free traffic that it's, an asset, it's an asset that lasts for like you know you need to do something that lasts a long time it's better than just a campaign you know a direct mail campaign it's, it's an asset you're building you know i can see it on my website an asset you know and and that that's what you want what's well, when even even side note of this i think we had like thirty thousand visitors last month on all of our websites just to have five thousand visitors last month is crazy crazy absolutely. absolutely it's free it's crazy so <laughs> like, brand awareness is priceless and i think we'll bring it on for seo because i it's some it's a topic that is, is so it's so easy once you understand it but it's hard if you don't understand it yeah absolutely <laughs> the show is sponsored by the list guys do you need more leads in your local or virtual market one in 10 small businesses don't invest in any kind of marketing. The list guys have over 35 plus list types to choose from and you can mix and match any list or criteria. We also use the skip trace list and provide up to seven numbers and email addresses. Every list you purchase will be scrubbed against previous purchases. The list guys are here to save you time. Contact the list guys today at www.1listguys.com. That's www.the1listguys.com. I appreciate your time, uh, Ozzy, Steve. And like I said, uh, hopefully people find value in it. Hopefully it sends some feels your way. Appreciate Frank for helping me out on this one. But um, Thank you. I appreciate your time, man. It was, it was a great interview. Very, I, very I, I enjoyed it very much. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, thank you so much.